Welcome to the In Camera Review Podcast. Mike, Matt, and Logan, we are lawyers talking about movies. Each week we pick a movie, an actor, and a year, but not this week. We got Halloween Special Part 2. Why? Because every good Halloween episode deserves a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Or seven, like we talked about last time. Up for review this week is the 1979 classic Alien, as well as the 2017 Oscar-nominated Get Out final movie, Shaun of the Dead from 2004. Logan, Matt, happy Halloween again, fellas. Happy Halloween. I want the listeners to know that currently Dune is available on my television right now. And rather than plug in like I've wanted to do for a whole year, I'm sitting down with Mike and Logan to have our second Halloween episode. So we love you. (laughs) And we appreciate it, Matt. Mm. Logan, since we met last, uh, how how has your views on Halloween movies changed? Yeah, zero, zero. (laughs) (laughs) Here's here's how my... I was was forced to, to at least partake in some of them for this one. I have so many other things. I, I, I much, I gravitate towards sports. Um, so did, did you get in uh, all three of these movies? I got in two. I got an alien and Shaun of the dead and I got in the cliff notes on get out, uh, including the clip that you sent us on Peel's, I guess, discussion about the, the theories about his movie, which I thought was really interesting. So no, Logan, it's, uh, it, it's uh, shockingly out of all of them. That's the least horror movie. And I think, I think you'd enjoy it. I've inched a little bit closer to the center between, you know, my stance last year and your stance last year. I've tried more candies, Logan. I've, <laughs> we bought a, usually I'm a strict Reese's Kit Kat, but unfortunately my wife bought way too much candy way too early. So my kids have enticed her to crack some of those bags open. And one of them was a Reese's peanut butter cup variety pack which includes Reese's peanut butter cups take fives have you guys ever had a take five of course I've had all the candy oh my god oh (laughs) my god and then and then the fast break and the fast break I can do without but I don't know if I can go a week without another take five Mike do you know what a take five is I do and, and it's funny because I should have mentioned this on the last episode when we talked about candy my kids are floored at the fact that their dad does not like chocolate. Oh my God. Were you like a Starburst Skittles? I'm not really a candy guy in general. Uh, if I do, I like mini chewy sweet tarts. Okay. Swedish um, fish. No, honestly, if you said, would you like to have a, like a bar of chocolate or would you like this glass of orange juice? I'll take the orange juice. Good for Mike's you. a great guy again. Yeah. Once again, Mike Just beats us, Logan. Missing, out, listeners on, missing out on life, really, and take Mike five. No, that's, what, that's what my kids tell me. I, I think that I'm weird, and I think it probably has to do with the fact that I'm from Florida. Mike um, gives out apples to, to the <laughs> kids. He gives out toothbrushes. He's one of so, those guys. So, so, Matt, have you been able to get in Salem's Lot since we last talked? You know what, Mike? I did, and boy, am I glad. Not only did I get it in once, I am. I did it immediately after um, the last time we recorded, which though it was just released, folks, it was recorded a year ago. And don't tell I, them that they don't I know, know that. <laughs> I, I'm doing it again, and it's it is just a really 
fun, classic Halloween vampire small town story. I mean, it is it is as good as it gets. So much so that I, I think I will read that, and I do it the audio book. I will do it every October moving forward. I love it. I'm so now glad I, to hear that. Now, I did try after that to go on a little bit of a Stephen King run, and it stopped dead in its tracks in the prologue of the second book that you recommended, which I think was called like The Dome. Under the Dome? Yeah. You didn't like Under the Dome? I didn't like the first person point of view of like the beaver. Uh, I didn't think that he was able to like. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Let's <laughs> see. That's, that's just his. his I was uh, so done. That was like page four. See, I was there like, are, see as, as Logan will tell you, there are a few guys who are good at the hook. <laughs> right. King is not one of them. No, no, no. Just pick it up in chapter three and it, and it's uh it's a normal book. But yeah, the the beaver getting cut in half by the dome is just not I, his best writing. I, I get what he was doing. It did not sure. need to be in first person. It did yeah. not need to be in first no. person. And and to be fair, King is I think terrible at beginnings and terrible at endings. But he 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 world builds, right? Like so Salem's exactly. Black, like he introduces every single yeah person right. in the town which i appreciate right well so i can but, and but the like, thing is not, is that not once first you get person animals right well, like what correct and that's the thing is that once you get rolling in the story the way he writes it is very good but it's when he tries to get cute with the beginning or an end because they're like you know steven you know a lot of writers do this you know they'll write it from the beaver's point of view and he's like no, i i just i don't do that well and they're like <laughs> we're paying you to do that though <laughs> all right i'll write it i'll write right. it and uh it's terrible but then you get past those 10 pages and then the rest are gold look stephen king at the end of the eight part series for the gunslinger mm-hmm. he writes a chapter in there that just says please stop reading this story's over don't read it anymore <laughs> I'm going to write you an ending now and you're not going to like it. So just take the ending I gave you and leave. Just, I beg you. I don't beg you. Open. Yes. But he writes it anyway. And the thing is, like is a because, dog, like a dog. And the thing is, is because Stephen King writes like water flows from a tap. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. just, it, whatever it is, it just comes naturally to him. And it's only the editing process that makes, you know, that, uh, you know, hay spin into gold. I, I was I, water. No, I'm sorry. Never mind. I'm mixing metaphors over here. All right. We got the hay, we got the gold. Uh, and the water. Got the it. water. Okay. Forget, don't forget about the beaver. Yeah. And the beaver. See, it all comes together. That was not a metaphor. It was really, it was, it was not a metaphor. Okay? All right. So so speaking of our last Halloween episode, I wanted to share some listener feedback that we got. Oh, wonderful. Love hearing from the townsfolk. If you would like to talk back and send us your questions, your comments, your thoughts, you can email us at incamerareviewpodcast at gmail.com. So this is from Brian from Tennessee. Brian writes, when I saw scary movies as a kid, I had nightmares about snakes, no matter the scary stuff. Ultimately, for me, it was always replayed as snakes. I appreciated Macho Indiana Jones having the same fear. I had religion class every day in Catholic school from first grade through high school. Exorcism was real. Satan was real. Your sins were forgiven by confession to a priest. 
Extreme unction, later called the anointing of the sick, was the last blessing of a dying person, and the last rites might have been their final Hail Mary to avoid spending an eternity in a merciless void. Mm -hmm. I thought that might strike a chord with you, Matt, from Chicago. (laughs) Right. It does. It definitely does. That's what I was really narrowing in on with our exorcist devil versus like spirit you wanted to lump it all in and there's there's just some visceral if you grew up with that you can't lump it all in right that's why i read it (laughs) right yeah Yeah. right so thank you brian from tennessee whoever you are so we also got a comment from drew from georgia and drew from georgia asks is jaws a horror movie great question yeah i'd say we could cover that in the next segment when we start talking about alien yeah same question applies to alien my mm-hmm. my opinion right um perfect setup say- here we go when we come back we'll be talking about ridley scott's 1979 classic film alien from 1979's Alien that was directed by Ridley Scott, screenplay by Dan O'Banion, labeled as a science fiction horror film, follows the crew of the commercial space vessel called the Nostromo, and they encounter the alien, which is an aggressive and deadly extraterrestrial that gets set loose on its ship. Stars Tom Skerritt, Sigourney Weaver, Harry Dean Stanton, John Hurt, Ian Holm, and Yafit Kodo. What a cast. It was a solid cast, no doubt. Everybody's, I think, at least generally familiar with the concept of alien. There's these things that crawl out of these egg-like structures and attach themselves to your face and implant some kind of alien embryo that then bursts through your chests. And the small alien that comes out of your body then turns into a giant xenomorph and and will wreak havoc wherever it is. When this movie came out in 1979, it was uh, big. It's a classic. It's an iconic thing. It spawned a franchise. And so there's a lot to talk about here, but let's, let's pick up with the question uh, that Drew from Georgia threw out, which is, I think it's the same question. Of course, Jaws came out earlier by a few years before Alien. So, and I think if you say Jaws is a horror movie, I think Alien's a horror movie. And if you say one is not, then I think you have to say the other is not as well. What do you guys think? Jaws is more of a horror movie than Alien for me because of the sci-fi piece. I just feel like the, with the sci-fi and the aliens or whatever that, I don't know. I guess I always put aliens in a sci-fi genre. I never think of it as a horror movie. Whereas I could I could arguably say that Jaws is a horror movie. Because Jaws is more realistic. I'm I like guess... the complete opposite because really? Really? because like I, I do lump like if I carve a jackal in that of my Halloween monsters, aliens are in that. 
Now, not xenomorph aliens, not the Ridley Scott alien, like little green men, like Martians are part of like what I consider a Halloween spook. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it got there, but it's a spooky monster. <laughs> no, no. Sharks nothing, are not. Beavers are not. Nothing in the world scares me more than a great white shark. Five. So what's the definition of a horror movie? Because generally speaking, the definition of a horror movie, most people agree on, is that it's a movie that's intended to scare its audience. Right. Reason. Didn't Jaws scare a generation of people? I know it did for people in Florida. It, it, you can't even swim in a pool without thinking of Jaws in, in Florida. I couldn't go to the bathroom after I saw that, right? I mean, like, <laughs> it's I'm one serious. of the scariest movies ever made. So, so how is it okay. not a horror movie? Okay. All right. So I mean, if, if, if you're going to use that definition, then they both are. That's what I think. And a lot of sci-fi movies are horror movies because they have that element of correct trying to scare you. Go ahead. Predator, a horror movie. Predator is definitely a horror movie. Predator is even more outside of the monster genre, and it's in the slasher genre. Yeah, I mean, th- so you. so is Alien, so is Jaws. They're both they're both kind of like that. This is really interesting. Like so so okay, if it scares you, it is horror trying to think if there's a movie that scares me that's not a horror movie. What about Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. What about... What have you been, been reading some Gene Siskel articles? What about... What about? This is what I understood once I realized uh, in having children and letting them watch movies. If I watch what I would say fantasy movies that are so... Uh, not grounded in reality. Marvel movies are not grounded in reality. They're superheroes, right? A movie like Alien and those kinds of things where they're not realistic, they're not as scary because they're safer because you don't think that could actually happen. The thing about Jaws that is terrifying is everybody's been to a body of water and it's terrifying when you can't see what's underneath you. And if you start thinking that there's you know, a 30-foot shark it's terrifying. What I think about in horror movie sense is if you're really trying to scare people, you're going to scare people in a realistic sense. And when you put this, when you add the sci-fi element to it, you're really, you're taking away a lot of the horror aspect of it. So I think Jaws is scarier than Alien because I, I'm worried about some damn chestburster or Xenomorph or, or even Little Green Men. I'm not worried about them. Jaws, still worried about it today. Is Zodiac a horror movie? No, no, it's, it's a not. mystery. It's a mystery. There's that scary are... parts to it. Right. I don't think, do you think that's Fincher's intent though, to scare you? That part, that part when Jake Hall is in the basement. In the basement. Yes. Yeah. yes. There's a lot yeah. of intensity there. Uh, when, when the Zodiac is... kill, stabs the two people at the park. Yes. That's scary as shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, com- so coming back to Alien, what do you guys think is scary about the movie Alien? You alluded to this about Jaws. There are two things about Alien that are very well done. It really did just copy off of Jaws almost in its entirety. They show the um, the creature as little as possible, and they leave a lot up to the imagination. And that's why these movies are real classics, in my opinion. And that's what I think filmmakers uh, of this generation can learn a little bit from. You know, everybody wants to answer every single question about every little thing and every little universe and what happened over there at this time in an alternate universe. And it's too much. If you let the viewer imagine what they think happened, it's a thousand times scarier. And that's why Jaws is the best, is the scariest. And Alien is close. 
I mean, it's good. It's like you said, iconic. But I was watching it the other day and I was like, this is not that good. It's a little too on the nose to Jaws. It's not that suspenseful. Now, one thing that you have to point out is that xenomorph alien, we're so used to that thing now. Right. But back back then, that thing, like the first time I saw that, like I'm 40 now, but the first time I saw it, I was like, oh my God. Like just even the, even the a, little chestburster guy, correct? Right? Which I right. think is funny now when I see it because it reminds me of the scene from Spaceballs, right? Or the face grabber, the face grabber, like that. Right. That that stuff was all really, really unique. Now it's franchised now, so it's 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 commonplace. It's like a happy meal, um, but it 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 was very unique at the time, and uh, you know when I think of scary alien. Ridley Scott alien really I'm thinking of aliens by James Cameron right Right. like that's when there was multiple aliens that shit scared me and I saw that one first Matt hit on uh, to me the 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 biggest point which you can compare to Jaws which you know I mean looking back kind of ripped off Jaws but it's it's the build-up right Mm -hmm. that you get which is like you're it's a mystery in some sense which is you're trying to figure out like what's going on like totally agree right and movies don't do that anymore right they just go right to it there's right into the action there's no build-up and i i think that's why jaws and alien hold up so well is because the the craft of making the movie and the build-up to get you there that's what everybody likes the the rewatchability part is the build-up you said it before, Logan, and you said it, and I'll say it again, is the that decade or that time 70s, period. yeah. Amazing. Amazing. You know what they really they really invested in the first act. They really invested in the first act. Yeah. And yeah, and I, that that's my comment about Alien is that when you when you start that movie from the moment that John Hurt is being lowered into that ship and, and you go through basically up until the point where the alien, you know, kills Tom Skerritt, which is the first time you really, you really see it in its fullness. To me, the movie stops being scary after that. Once really, you show it, once you show it, I've showed this it, is, I've right? been a long, a big proponent of if you show, show the it. alien, it ruins right. the whole movie. Right. right. And so, but, you, uh, but you've got, you've got John Hurt, you know, going through there and he, he falls off you know, the little bridge and gets into there with the aliens. And you don't know what that, if you don't know what that is, it's terrifying. And you have these, you know, something's moving in there and then it jumps up on his face. And then they say, you have this suspense of how is he going to get back in the the ship and they're going to break protocol. And then you don't know at the time that Ash played by Ian Holm is a droid. Great storytelling. It's unfolding. It's suspenseful. It's, it's, it's taking these incremental steps that, draw you in as as the viewer and then once that once the alien has basically said well now i'm just in a monster that's you know in a confined space that's going to come after and kill you it's just like well how are we gonna how are we gonna wrap this up guys but but not only that like it didn't like chase him like the last right. like, 15 they went after it, was, it it was like a sleep right i was like what's it doing in that last scene? Like <laughs> that, didn't, that right? last scene was terrible. You're exactly right. It was like, what was, I, he, what was he doing? Just like, like, is it triumphant to like kill an alien that's asleep? 
I guess I'm being unfair because the Xenomorph was still so cool and the chestburster was so unique. And, you know, Sigourney Weaver did a really good job. I think she did a great job in that role. Great. Um, One of my other points was Sigourney Weaver, woman in a huge role. A year after Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Halloween. Right. So, I mean, those two sort of, uh, you know, I I don't think anybody talks about that, but they should. They were trailblazers for sure. I listened to a podcast and they talked about how the role of, of Ripley, that that was men and women read for that role. It could have gone either way. And if you watch right. it, it, it's kind of like that. But then they did like a real deep dive for listeners that may be interested in this, how like much of a feminist movie Alien is. It was right around like Roe v. Wade and the, the shapes of the aliens, the shapes of the eggs, the shapes of the ships has a lot to do with uh, genitalia, a lot to do with penetration, <laughs> forcing it onto a man. If you're interested in, in that, that take, there are, there are places to go. Just, just uh, be aware of that. Sitting here today, which is a scarier movie, Alien or Aliens? As I sit here today, Aliens. Of course it is. Logan? Uh, it's been too long since I've seen Aliens to compare them. I just recently rewatch the alien so well we're putting out the avatar episode here and i think you're just still mad at james cameron yeah yeah i don't like james cameron fuck that guy both of you should go watch the trailer for alien if you have not because i don't understand how they sold movies (laughs) back in the day (laughs) like that trailer is an absolute train wreck of a trailer like it's so disorienting and they're just like flashing lights and sounds and stuff and the, like aliens is like the the words like the letters are like slowly appearing with all the stuff going on it's just a bizarre movie trailer which is so foreign to the stuff that you get today that's uh, a really good point it, logan like yeah. i don't know when it was that when movie trailers started to become in a lot of ways, better than the actual movie. Let's be honest. If if somebody came to Hollywood and pitched the idea of Alien and the movie had never been made before, it would be a B movie that gets made and released on the Sci-Fi Network. Correct. It's only it, the only reason why Alien has the staying power that it does is it has a real director with real actors, and it happened to be made in an era where they cared about things like cinematography and horror movies. Like we said, I think they had really good pacing to the story at the beginning, and yep. the buildup uh, is is well done. To rip off of Jaws, I think is. What I think it be, falls apart we, though. I really we, do. Yeah, Does. we've come. Third, yep. But we've come to realize though that you know a lot of that was essentially borrowed. Nonetheless, <laughs> they do a nice job of of sort of pacing and building you up to to where you get to. Because they can't help themselves, they have to show the alien, and that's when it falls off. It's kind of like when you show the girl who flies. Yeah, can't do that. We never talked about the fact that every time she flew, she never flew up. She only flew down. (laughs) So why didn't she just jump? (laughs) We never pointed that out. Like, she only flew down. She floated. She just jumped. Like, let's, not, like, let's not rip off that band-aid. Like, <laughs> like you said, Matt, we, we haven't heard the last of the Ninth Gate. When we come okay. back, we're, we're going to be talking about Get Out.
to me about the African-American experience. Maybe you could take this one. Oh. Well, well, I find that the African-American experience for me has been, for the most part, very good. Although I find it difficult to go into detail as I haven't had much desire to leave the house in a while. <laughs> We've become such homebodies. Yes, yes, yes. But even when you go into the city, I've just had no interest. The chores have become my sanctuary. Get out. Sorry, man. Okay. Get out! A clip from the movie Get Out written and directed by Jordan Peele. Wow. It's, it stars Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams, Bradley Whitford, Caleb Landry-Jones, Stephen Root, and Catherine Keener. It came out in 2017. It was nominated at the 90th Academy Awards for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actor for Daniel Kaluuya. This is a very, very interesting, very good movie. I don't even know that I would classify it as a horror movie. I don't know that the intended purpose is to scare you, but I think it raises a lot of questions. I think it uses a lot of elements from different movie genres. But I will say that the, this guy, Jordan Peele, is the real deal. He's got Big some time. real talent. Uh, Big and time. There's, there's some great performances in here. Uh, I really liked it. Mike, why don't you break down the plot? We have an opening of two young people, a black man and a white woman, where they are having a relationship and they're going to go back and do the ritualistic meeting of the woman's parents. And so the, the question is raised by Daniel Kaluuya as they get closer and closer to leaving. Did you tell your parents that I'm black? And she says, no, why would I? And he says, well, I don't want to get chased off the lawn with a shotgun. They go through the story and they show up. And what you realize is that there are these wealthy white liberals in the Northeast that, you know, say these really patronizing things like I would have voted for Obama for a third term if I could. He's and those kinds of things. And you get that vibe along with this extremely creepy vibe of who are all these white people that are that are old and wealthy that show up to this party it becomes very, very strange as these slow occurrences start happening uh, in a very Hitchcockian way that sort of builds you into this ultimate reveal that is these old people have working with this neurosurgeon have developed this procedure by which they can enter a, a, another person's body through brain surgery and take it over in some sense and therefore prolong their lives and essentially live forever. When Daniel Kaluuya gets, uh, gets hit to this, he is chased off the lawn by a person with a firearm. It just happens to be his girlfriend with a rifle. And then she, uh, he ends up getting away and kills the, basically the whole family because his friend from the TS motherfucking A God, comes that guy in. was great. <laughs> Logan, Logan, you would, I know uh, you, Logan. You, and, yeah, you can and tell you from the clips. you would love this movie. You would, you love, tell from the you clips. would love this movie. Uh, I, I got it from the clips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Great comic relief there by our friend Rod. This scene after Daniel Coelho breaks free from the entire family, bloody battles, kills his girlfriend who he's in love with, her father, her brother, her mother, and the two grandparents who are in the bodies of other black people. He's traumatized, right? And his friend Rod finds him. And the first thing 
he says to him is, I told you you shouldn't have gone. While Daniel Clay was like crying and breathing hard, like he just got in the car. Uh, oh my God. It was, uh, and that, that's, that's the best part of the whole movie for me. I mean, spoiler alert, guy clearly loves horror movies. I think he likes to give an homage to that in the cinematography. That opening scene is excellent from a a horror style, you know, first kill, I guess you could say. It also is an eye-opening tale of what it's like for a, a black person with liberal whites. And and I think Jordan Peele, much like our pal Ari Aster, wanted to make a social commentary or tell one story, but is also savvy enough to know that in order to get greenlit, you got to put butts in the seats and horror movies put butts in the seats. So I think he wanted to tell this tale and he has a love for it. And he just, the, the horror genre. So he just put it both together and, and he had a really effective 90 minute film or a hundred minute film. This Khalil, Oh my God, that scene when he gets hypnotized and talks about his mother's death, it's not a horror movie at that point. That that was an extremely powerful scene by both him and Keener. It's almost a surrealism uh, oh, yeah. in the movie, right? There's satire there uh, in, in the in the humor and the the irony that it's drawing. There's the commentary uh, on race, I think, that... I think that Jordan Peele has talked about in interviews that uh, a lot of the inspiration for the movie came from the experience of being the only black person in the room uh, in certain places. And so you have that really interesting scene where Daniel Kaluuya spots the character of Logan slash Dre Dre. Mm -hmm. uh, goes over to him and tries to connect with him and saying, Hey, it's good to see another brother here. And, and of course it's a, it's a white person, of, uh, you know, who's an octogenarian in a young 20-something uh, Black person's body. And so, you know, when he goes to fist bump and Logan grabs his, his hand, right, uh, right, you know, you, you realize the disconnect. And so I, I think that there's a lot of, um, you know, drawn on the experience from Jordan Peele from being in those, in those situations and, and saying what that's like but in the setting of a horror movie where you can, you can take a, a back seat to that commentary and just follow up on the fact that this is some creepy shit and right. something, something's not right here. And it's, and it's more than just not something's right here from an uncomfortable racial social interaction standpoint, there's something sinister. Really unique film that's able to do a social commentary, a horror movie and a comedy all at once. And had a, a, a powerful message that Mike, like, was it too on the nose? I don't think it was. I think it was just off the mark. At one point, I was like, is he banging me over the head? And, and I never really thought he was. But I, I, I asked that question only for the podcast. Right off the bat, race becomes the issue when the main character makes it the issue. When he, when he talks to his, his white girlfriend, did you tell your white parents that I'm black? And then you have this conflict and that becomes part of the story. So it's front and center. And so you're wondering, where are we going with this racial discussion? How is it that we're going to get from this to the next level? And, and where are we going to arrive? And I think that the most pointed 
scene in the movie when it comes to exploring that concept is when they address the elephant in the room, which is why are all of these elderly white people interested in these black bodies to occupy? It should be pointed out that they're using the daughter of the family to target young black men and get into a romantic relationship with them. And this scene of Meet the Parents or the Sydney Potier Meet the Parents has played out. There's a big reveal that, that it's played out like 20 times. Yeah. So they're, they're targeting black people. It's a very effective honey trap, so to speak. Correct. Mm-hmm. the question is raised, why is this happening? And so there's, there's, a, there's a number of subtle things that are raised. One is when Bradley Whitford is giving Daniel Kaluuya a tour of the house, he shows him a picture of his father and says, hey, you know, doing his white liberal Northeast thing, you'll appreciate this. My father lost in the qualifying rounds to Jesse Owens for the Olympics. He beat him and then went on to, to show Hitler what all his, you know, Nazism and racist bigotry was was wrong by going and winning the Olympics. And, but then he mentions, you know, my father almost got over it. And then, of course, in the movie, it's real, you realize that the father is the grandfather who is now occupying a young black man's body who at night does races and runs around right. the property because he's enjoying the fact that he is now as fast or faster than Jesse Owens. Right. And, right. and that is that is not unintentional. You have those kinds of things that are that are a little subtle in the movie. But then Daniel Kaluuya just comes straight out and asks when you have this interesting back and forth between the person who's going to get the surgery, the white person who's going to get the surgery and, and, and then and Daniel Kaluuya, who's going to be occupied in his brain. He says, why black people? And the guy says, uh, you know, who knows? Black is in fashion, maybe. People want to have a black person's body for this reason or that reason. And he says, I don't really care what color you are. I just want your eyes because you are a talented photographer. And that's what I want because I'm blind. It takes that direction and says, you know, some of this is about race. And, and of course, there's the, there's the symbolism of all the white people showing up in black cars before they try to occupy themselves in black bodies. As I, as is pointed out by Jordan Peele, that was a very intentional you know, symbolic reference that he made. So no, I don't think it's too on the nose. I think that he got right up to the line and just sort of said, take from this what you will. If you want to read into this, you know, different analogies into the history of of race in America, go right ahead. If you just want to look at this as this is white Northeast liberal obsession with wokeness and, and all those kinds of things that they've pushed it so far that old white people now want to be black because it's cool now and everything in between. And I just thought that was a brilliant way of not taking a stance on it and just letting the audience decide and putting the spectrum out there. I mean, he's clearly, if you watch that, that video where he goes through the theories and he's addressing them, number one, I, I love that he did that. Right. You know, I can't see a lot of old school directors like (laughs) James Cameron or Ridley Scott, Sitting there like I'm not doing uh, this. I'm appeasing doing this. the <laughs> appeasing the fans of their you know their theories, and in part I think it's because neither of them are clever enough to come up with the stuff that Jordan Peele does. Right, like the guy's a master of his craft, and I really appreciate that and and his his willingness to 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 address it, but also you know 
Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You got, you, you figured it out. I put breadcrumbs in there. You guys figured it out. Kudos for you. I'm very much appreciative of that. And I don't know if that's a new school thing or, or whether we're going to see more of that, but the guy we're is gonna see a lot more. We're going to see a lot more of him. I hope yeah. so. Oh yeah. I mean, he's not going anywhere that he, like I said, he's a master of his craft. When we come back, we will be talking about the 2004 horror comedy, Shaun of the Dead. So, what's the plan? Right. We take Pete's car, we drive over to Mum's, we go in... I'm so sorry, Philip. Then we grab Mum, we go over to Liz's place, pull up, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Why have we got to go to Liz's? Because we do. She dumped you. I have to know if she's all right. Why? Because I love her. All right, gay. I'm not staying there, though. Why not? If we hold up, I want to be somewhere familiar, I want to know where the exits are, and I want to be allowed to smoke. Okay. Take Pete's car, go round Mum's, go in, deal with Philip, sorry Philip, grab Mum, go to Liz's, pick her up, bring her back here, have a cup of tea, and wait for all this to blow over. Perfect. The clip from 2004 is Shaun of the Dead, directed by Edgar Wright, written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. It stars Simon Pegg, Kate Ashfield, Lucy Davis, Nick Frost, Dylan Moran, the great Bill Nighy, and Penelope Wilton. Guys, I remember this movie right. like, it, like it was yesterday. This was uh, this was a really fun movie. Uh, it fell in between me really getting into the zombie horror movie franchise of of Romero, going from Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, the Dawn of the Dead remake, Day of the Dead. Land of the Dead, and all the other kinds of dead. So when this movie came out, I'd also just gotten back from a period of time in between college and law school where I spent a long period of time in London and was just very into these actors and the British sense of humor and the having a cup of tea and waiting out the zombie apocalypse. Really, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, really enjoyed it. Logan, was this a, was this a first viewing for you? Yeah, I was. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Love Simon Pegg. It's great. I think the movie suffers from third act issues. It just kind of falls apart at the end. Like, you know. It was the, bound the, to. The, right. The whole build up and everything. And, and, and here's the thing. I don't even care. I just <laughs> don't matter. even care. It didn't matter. So it doesn't it's matter. Because it didn't when matter. You, <laughs> when, you, when, you, when you start with a comedy like that, Logan, you're right. That's, that's actually a really good point that you just made if it starts off really funny and it's a comedy on, on the on the first act it's really your expectation of the third act is 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 nil right right so like you, there's there's little risk for your third act which i mean guys how many times how long have we been doing this for we say that it falls apart in the third act 90 percent of the time i bet right uh, third acts I, are tough man it's really hard. It's really hard to finish the thought or the story in a, you know, uh, a novel way, I guess, because it was a comedy. I like, 
it's weird that everybody <clears throat> dies, right? Like they kill pretty much everybody off except for right. him and his girlfriend or whatever. But um, again, I don't, I don't think it really matters. It just, it, the story does kind of fizzle out, but the comedy throughout is fantastic. Let me ask you this, Logan. Do you think that it, it even is a horror movie? Because really it's not intended to scare you. It's just using horror movie you know, tropes and cliches and, and the techniques of horror movies and throwing it into what's otherwise a comedy, right? This is, this is a great, this is a great question because when, when you were bringing it up on the front end, I associate horror, not with the intention to scare, but with content, right? Mm -hmm. Zombies are horror movies. Like but that's it's not. It's a comedy. It's a comedy movie. <laughs> that's right? great. That's With great. zombies in it. That's great. And uh, yeah, the, the to Mike, you you know that I love British humor, right? It's just it's uh, and I you know the what the scene when he walks to the convenience store the first time and he you know he gets his soda and <laughs> it just uh, yeah he's riding the bus just the, and all the times at the pub with his with his that buddy, opening right? scene like, when. Yeah when he's right. talking to his girlfriend about and their roommates they pan and they're, out. They're, they're, they pan out. Yeah, oh arrested development right um, oh my with, god that was you know buster man we're just yeah. blowing through nap time right <laughs> 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 you know what i loved about it particularly from the that first act perspective was you know this movie came out you know when when we were in our mid-20s and it's very much a post-college, what are you doing with your life movie? Yes. Tomorrow, I am going to sort my life out. I'm going to get it, you know, together. Everything's going to be great. And then you just wind up, no matter doing what happens, doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. So, so where are we going to eat, babe? The, the Winchester, the, the pub we go to every night. <laughs> which is, of course, where they go to hide out the zombie apocalypse, uh, which is even more funny. But th that's what I loved about it is that it was it was also a little bit more than a comedy in the sense of it was talking about that mid-20s aimlessness and what do you do with that? And, and aren't we just sort of all being zombies as we get older and just sort of fall into a job where people don't care about what you do. They just notice that you've got red ink on your shirt. Right, right, you know? right. And, and, and so there's, there's some good stuff that I think a lot of people, when you're in that point in your life, you think, why did I get this education? Why did I get this job? What am I doing? It's an identity crisis that you have. What am I doing? Where am I going? Why am I doing this? And then all of a sudden the zombie apocalypse happens and you find yourself, you know, uh, becoming a leader. And, and he's not a leader at the beginning, right? And, right. And he he actually scene. goes through the transformation unlike Johnny Depp. <laughs> Right, the, but the scene with the young kid when at the at his job, right, and the young kid giving him shit um, when he's trying to basically take charge and tell him like no personal calls at work and all this kind of stuff, right? Like <laughs> it just the comedy and and the to your point, Mike, the that dose of like real life of you know. I got a guy got to get it together. Look at this, this snot nosed little kid who's, and he doesn't get his age right. Right. He's, he's like five years off is telling him what to do. And then he becomes a leader once, once the zombie apocalypse comes, which yeah, it's, it's great. Um, really enjoyed it. 
Matt, this was, was this a first watch for you as well? It was actually, I've been a Anglophile for, it, it all started for me with the Robert Altman movie, Gosford Park, right? right? So depending on when this movie came out, I think I probably, it, it probably came out a little bit before I saw Gosford Park. So I didn't backtrack into it. It also came out the same year that, that the remake of Dawn of the Dead came out with Sarah Polly, which was, which was great. That's a which great was movie. great. So that probably took my zombie uh, up and, and I, I probably wasn't interested in a, in a comedy it, version. It breaks of it all the, the zombie rules, but it's a great movie. The zombies can run. What? You know, you make a really good point, Mike. Like there were a lot of movies, a lot of indie picks between 99 and 2004 that had to deal with people between the ages of 20 and 25 trying to get their act together. And they're, they're almost a dime a dozen watching this as a 40 year old now. It was really, it was really interesting to have that point of view again. And I thank Christ, I'm not at that point in my life anymore, man. <laughs> I really do. I really do. But just to Simon Pegg, this is what put him on the map. So he did this, then he did, isn't there a trilogy? It's this, Hot Fuzz, and there's another one. But he wrote this. Mm -hmm. And he had a nice career after this. He did some of the Mission Impossibles, right? They're still, still in Star them, Trek, yeah. Star Trek too. Guys getting yeah. paid. Yeah. I think that, I think the third one was kind of the fail there. It was called Paul. It was the alien movie. Okay. But yeah, it was sort of like they had, you know, Shaun of the dead, which was sort of the, all of the, the zombie movie parody. And then they did hot fuzz, which is sort of like the bad action boys movie. action mm -hmm. movie parody. And then they did Paul, which was the sci-fi you know, alien movie parody, that one that pretty much brought an end to that, that run there that they were having there in the, in the mid to late uh, 2000s. It's tough to wrap this one up for me. Just much a fun like, movie. Much like the movie. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, because that, because the thing is, is this is the true model of the zombie film is everybody dies. It is really that, is. Or, is or, or the, they get away and, and they like make it onto a boat. Right. Like it's before, it's before they die. I mean, it's it, because it's it's that's the thing is that it's a marathon where the finish line is you turn into a zombie and it's just who is the one who outlasts the rest of them, because, you know, that's that's Night of the Living Dead. Right. Everybody dies. That's the classic zombie because it's inevitable. That's the that's the nature of this. What's the, the draw, at least in my opinion, is the draw of the zombie films is it's inevitable that if the zombie apocalypse breaks out, everybody's going to turn into a zombie. So it's just who can outlast. And and so, you know, he's yeah, Logan, the, did you know, did you know Mike is a huge zombie guy? No. Yeah. Did not know you're zombie guy. <laughs> like you're you're listening to him drop some zombie what what's zombie what, knowledge on you right what now? Is, zombie dust. Yeah, see, so yeah, and I, I have not admittedly watched very much zombie stuff including i've never watched walking walking dead the walking dead and the walking one. dead took me a long time like you say it's it's tough to do a third act just like you say game of thrones drop the ball it's tough to finish up a series too um walking dead's no no different boy it is it, limping across the finish line right now it, it's it's <laughs> zombie zombie walking across the, the finish line <laughs> Logan, you might like The Walking Dead 
not because it's a zombie show because it's kind of not I, I had a friend explain to me because I, I got mad when I was watching it that it wasn't like zombie horror enough and he goes it's not a zombie show it's a show about like the end of the world one of the elements you have to fight it's just that there's zombies everywhere it rains a lot they're zombies it's Very... humans in the state of nature and then there are right. also zombies it's, I've also seen the Will it's, Smith it's, one. You're talking about I Am Legend? I don't I love that. Mike, Mike thought that that was going to possibly win Will Smith the Academy Award. I like, love that movie argued. when we saw it in art in IMAX. I watched it again recently on Hebo Max, and I still love it. It's a great movie. It's one of Will Smith's best performances. Love I Am Legend. The best part of I Am Legend was Batman the, pre, the preview for the Batman. <laughs> For the dark, the dark night. night, yeah, because yeah. yeah. that was that was the six minute dark night bank yeah. robbery scene, yes. right? Yeah. yeah, I didn't yeah. think Iron Legend was that bad. No, but, but that, when I walked out that day, the only thing I talked about was the dark night. Sure, I lo- I loved Twenty Eight Days Later. Was that what it was? 20- so Twenty Eight Days is the Sandra Bullock Vigo yes. movie, which I also. Love, have, by the of way, of course, yes. yes. Then, then twenty eight days later is the the Danny first, Boyle the the Danny Boyle zombie movies where you have a you have the the scarecrow from the Batman movies to continue right. with the Batman wakes up and he is in the zombie apocalypse and then twenty eight weeks later is when uh, when Francis Begbie from Train Spotting in Danny Boyle's movie. That's the sequel to it, and it comes it comes to an end. And this is the zombie apocalypse ends at the end of that movie. Yeah, I would rank it twenty eight days, twenty eight days later, and twenty eight <laughs> weeks. That's how I would go. Those are my favorite zombie movies out of that. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to find out what uh, what we're all going to be for Halloween. All right, so that's going to bring us to the end of the Halloween sequel. Logan, any special plans for Halloween uh, for you guys this year? No, no, um, but I am interested in you guys. Do you guys have jokes ready for you? Have you have you given your fed your kids jokes to get so these they can go out and get candy? <laughs> these aren't kid jokes, but, uh, <laughs> or they're kid jokes, but not not of my children's age. I remember I had a teacher that told me these jokes. Why can't witches have babies? I don't know. Because their husbands have Halloweenies. <laughs> Why can't gypsies have babies? I don't know. Because their husbands have crystal balls. My sophomore <laughs> year English teacher taught the class that. Miss Catch. Very nice. Probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have a job in this day and age. Yeah, um, probably. Yeah. Good call. Good call. <laughs> I mean, I was I was kind of thinking different you'd go, times now. I was kind of thinking you'd go along the lines of what's a what's a ghost's favorite type of cheese? Hmm. Ghoul duh. <laughs> That's good. Probably gonna do Halloween kills. All right. Probably get that in there. Still have to hit up. For Dune. the listeners and for no, I, I okay, guys. I don't have to hit up Dune. I'm gonna hit up Dune. <laughs> um, 
I don't have to hit up Bond. I'm going to hit up Bond, but I have to hit up New Nightmare. I'll do that before the end of the month and I will finish Salem's Lot again. Guys, Salem's Lot, go to your library, audiobook. It's dynamite. It really is. It's a fun, classic book. It's old school, takes place like in the 70s, 80s. It's very well done. No beavers. Yeah, no, no, no first person rodents. <laughs> God, that was so stupid, Mike. You got plans for, for Halloween? Are you going to get in some more, some more scary movies? You know, I have been hitting up scary movies all month long, you guys. I have, uh, I did the 2020s uh, Invisible Man. I got to tell you, I had low expectations going in and I was, it was one of those games. Have you guys heard of the Rotten Tomatoes game? No. So the Rotten Tomatoes game is you throw out a movie and everybody writes down what you think the Rotten Tomatoes score is. And then um, basically it's, uh, you know, you, you, you track score, you know, as you go along, if you get it right, you know, exactly you, you minus your points five, but it's always, it's like golf, right? It's your, the difference between par and, okay. and, and so I was shocked to see that the invisible man had like 98 percent rotten tomatoes because this looked like i i I mean i honestly i thought it was hollow man 2 under a different name or something dude hollow man was good stop (laughs) bacon hollow man was good but this was also part of the failed you know studio attempt to bring back the the universal monsters you know in a in its own little marvel type universe so i elizabeth this Elizabeth Moss is, she's a real actor. Absolutely. Absolutely. hundred yeah. percent. But the invisible man was very good. It was, it was sleek. It was stylish. It was well acted, uh, had a lot going on. I really enjoyed that one. I also did the urban legends movie and then urban legends, the sequel, the final cut. Those are some classic late nineties, early two thousands time capsules. It was Jared Leto's in it, in, in a wow. lead role. Jordan Ketoano. Right. And it was very much a, you know, he got it because he was, I mean, they might as well have put Claire Danes, you know, it, you know, opposite to him because it was a, it was a my so-called life horror movie type role. And those movies were very much in the scream vein of movies where they were sort of, you know, meta and poking fun of themselves. So do you guys remember in the nineties, there was that commercial for Noxzema with the girl with the curly hair and the big, the bright blue eyes. Yeah, I know exactly. She, she was in Beverly Hills now to too. Exactly. And so she is the killer. Spoiler I, alert. I remember. But Dude. It, at the end of that movie of Urban Legends, they say they're making fun of themselves and they say, yeah, and the killer, she ended up being the Noxzema girl. It right. was poking fun at itself in the, the, the West Craven uh, scream sense of it and so you know the horror genre is always the tongue is firmly planted in the cheek it, especially in that decade yeah they, they had that redhead in that urban legend fucking d girl right that, <laughs> right that, from that, the sopranos, yeah. The sopranos. Right. Mm-hmm. yeah and who else was in it tara reed was in it tara reed joshua yeah. jackson yeah, there was a nice little joke where they had where uh, the D girl is in the car with with uh, Joshua Jackson. And he's trying to get his car started, and he's having some problems. And then all of a sudden, he gets it started, and the radio turns on, and it's Paula Cole. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. 
they were they that was that was good like final destination was good for that stuff right. too right. yes yeah That's good good joke mike <laughs> that was good that that was good speaking um, speaking of sopranos matt i haven't done it in your long list put on the many saints i will i will have I want, to have to. i want i want to i want yeah. to I want so, to. I don't so, have to. I want to. So can we maybe forecast for the listeners that, that they can expect a Sopranos special where we talk about the many saints of Newark and sure. the Sopranos can do episodes? That. Is that in yeah. our future? Yeah, oh, yeah. But let's let's also talk about this. Logan, you've been, I don't know if you're doing it because you, you're poking some fun. Let's make a let's make a a rotten tomatoes game prediction on, on Dune. Now I know you said it's it's because of the expectations, it's only going to disappoint. But dude, I watched I, I rewatched for, for scenes, you, yeah. Uh, but I'm going to I'm going to be mindful of that. But I rewatched scenes from Sicario the other day. This guy has been on the money about everything, everything. Sicario was so. I watched that borderline scene. Do you remember that when oh, they were yeah. at the border? Oh and yeah. My, Sicario is not an epic film. Dune is an epic film. It's hard to bite that much off. Is way better than the second one, which is why Stephen King knew better and went back and forth because the first part of the story is way more compelling than the second. It just is. And that's the thing I worry about with Dune is that where are they going to cut it off? Because you you could have basically Dune part two be a third act of the first Dune movie that falls apart. Here's what I could tell you. Um, I, I like your optimism where, here, though. I, I can tell I like it. where they where they should cut it off. I, but how about this? I'm not worried about Dune. We'll worry about Dune Part Two later. Okay, so that's let's, and that's let's, fair. It will be okay. judged on its own, right? right? I if we're playing the Rotten Tomatoes game. I am going to peg it in the 60 to 65% range. That's, that's where I think it's going to end up. This has been a fun sequel. We will leave it to the viewers to decide whether the original is better than the sequel or whether we surpassed <laughs> ourselves. This has been the in-camera review podcast, Mike, Matt, and Logan. We are lawyers talking about movies. Happy Halloween, everybody. <laughs>